Good morning. Uh, this is Stacy Mastin. We're in the Wisdom Seekers class in Dallas. And it's morning here where we are. But I bless you wherever you may be in your time zone. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about uh, Sterizo. We're going to do a little uh, follow-up on a teaching that was recently given by our pastor on Wednesday on Luke 22 where he discussed that Peter was being sifted. That really uh, he focused a lot on the sifting aspect of this verse <clears throat> and um, really let us know that this is something that we are encountering in this season. And if you're a saint and you're breathing, you should know this. <laughs> it should have rung true in your spirit, even though you may not have known what it was um, that you were encountering, that when he began to speak about this, to recognize the telltale signs of this type of testing. And so, as, as I was preparing to teach this week, I, I go through the same litany of things that I always do. I always write down things um, that I've already, you know, done a short study on to do a deeper dive and just see where that leads me. And I had several things on the list, but after I heard this teaching, I thought that that's probably what it's going to be. I really feel like I need to um, dial down on this word sterizo, which is really the impetus of where Peter was going once he was converted, was to um, cause <coughs> there to be a strengthening and a functioning in the histeme, in the people. And so I thought I need to go ahead and, and um, probably bring that about. But as it was... Uh, I still always feel like I need to follow through with all the things that I've written down because I just, I don't know. That's the teacher seer in me. Uh, everything's important. And if I could have taught you everything that I studied <laughs> to prepare for today, I would bring that because I feel it's all very important. And I know the Lord was certainly showing me things um, for myself. And I always appreciate how the Spirit speaks to us and is continually teaching us in his scripture but let me begin with the word of prayer and then we're going to um, kind of recap some of the things that pastor said because I went back and quoted some some things and um, and then we'll we'll get into it father I thank you for the way that you lead the saints I thank you for the way that you uncover um, what is important for us to know and to learn in the season that we're in it is such an empowerment to us um, in going forward I thank you Father for um, for your mysteries that you've been revealing to us and how we have been walking in your truth I pray Father that this word would be a stirring it would be um, uh, an exhortation to every one of us to search our own hearts to do an examination as it were 
of where we are in your in your divine plan, how we are um, looking at it, what is our perspective regarding it, and how are we responding to the things that are going on around us. Father, help us to judge ourselves rightly that we might find the adjustment that we need in order to overcome and to go forward and to be a strength and a function in our histeme. Father, bless, I pray, your people today, wherever they may be meeting, and meet with them. Your presence, let it be so um, strongly among your people that they are impacted by, by the meeting. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I got to blow my nose first, sorry. That was not me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm not doing it again. Okay, so let's just start off with the passage that Pastor um, highlighted on Wednesday, Luke 22, verses 31 through 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when you are converted, you would strengthen your brethren. So the things that I want to highlight, I'm not going to highlight every single thing he said. Hopefully you did listen to it yourself and are up to speed. But just as a reminder... We see here that Jesus is praying that their faith would fail not. We know that's their mission from um, the right hand of the throne. I say them, Peter. Um, but also we know that Jesus is praying for us in this season that our faith would not fail. We would not lose any component or anything that would keep us from being able to overcome. And we know that our positioning is at the right hand. And this is where we must continually remain vigilant. We, we have to remain a present. We have to um, continue to ardently seek at the right hand so that the continuing um, communication regarding our mission, the things that, that, that the Father is trying to teach us regarding our perspective regarding our mission um, every point of our development is going to happen right there at the right hand and so to lose any component or any aspect of that is going to render us in a position of um, I want to say lack because that's what that f that failing not means it means that something has is lacking because you you lost it um, and that is something that we, that's not a place we want to be in. But obviously this, the testing itself that is apparently ordained by God and that Jesus was aware of, right, was for a purpose. Apparently there was something in Peter that needed to be converted. So the sifting itself was to address that issue that needed to be addressed. And it needed to be sifted. There is no conversion unless you 
let go or change whatever God is bringing to you. And then once you're converted, you're able to return to that divine original calling, and you can then uh, strengthen those around you and bring them into a point of the same conversion, the same strengthening, the same uh, uh, functioning in the histeme. So I kind of, instead of reading all these definitions, I just kind of gave you a spiel. But I will say the definition of sterizo means to set fast. We know it comes from histeme, right? You should recognize these histeme terms, okay, <laughs> by now. To set in a certain position or direction, to render mentally steadfast, to settle, confirm, to be immovable, mentally settled. We know it's the root word of histeme, which is our established power base, and it speaks of our strategic posi positioning and our faithfulness to the needs of the placement according to the divine calling that God has given us. This is where we function. And something I want to mention at, at the beginning is something I discovered yesterday afresh because it was in Pastor Systeme book. But I had forgotten that Asthenea is without that empowerment, without Histeme. I mean, that's the root of Asthenea. So if you think about you've got the empowerment that comes from our histeme and that positioning, and then you've got asthenia being the opposite of that, what is going to keep us from functioning there? Something that's not functioning, that asthenia. So I just wanted to put that before you, that that is going to be an antagonist always to our point of function in the histeme. But this is the point that Jesus was coming to for Peter. If you are then converted, when you emerge from this testing and assert yourself in the purity of your calling, you can help others in aligning them and the responsibilities in the histemi that God has placed within them and the histemi that God has given them responsibility for. And we know that this has been provided for us by Jesus at the cross who was paid for, guaranteed, through that stake of ownership. That is the histeme. I love that principle. That, that, has, that was one of my favorite uncoverings of the mysteries of God. It's so vital to who we are, is this histeme principle. But as I was studying this, I, I really was reminded of some other examples that Jesus used regarding the wheat. And I just wanted to bring those before you because... Sometimes when you hit something from different angles, that something else will trigger <laughs> what I'm trying to get at. So I'm going to hit it from some different angles here. Um, another wheat example, when Jesus, um, I think Pastor mentioned this on Wednesday as well, but the winnowing of the fan in the hand of the Lord. And that winnowing fork is used to throw the grain up in the air so that the wind would carry away the chaff and cleanse it and separate it from the wheat. And I gave you the example of chaff. It's the husk and the refuse of the wheat. So, you know, I hadn't really made the distinction between, say, tares and chaff. So tares is something completely different. 
Chaff is just the crap that comes with the wheat. It's the husk. It's the things that surround, that surround the wheat, but it's not the part you're going to want to eat. So it's not digestible. It's not something you want to take with you. Therefore, when it's thrown up into the wind, you're wanting those lesser things, the things that have no weight. It says um, they have no steadiness and are easily disturbed or put in motion by every blast of air. So we actually, you know, you think about being blown about every wind of doctrine. I wonder if it's the chaff that remains that causes you to do that. So those things need to be sifted out. We need to allow the Father to bring this sifting about and to get rid of those extraneous things about, you know, that are a part of us. Okay, they're a part of our mindsets. It's a part of how we're functioning in our day, uh, unfortunately. Um, but these are things that need to be, and I think, I know I just cut myself off. I'm allowed to do that. I'm not upset by my own interruption. Yes, go ahead. You're not a farmer, Lance? No farmer. <laughs> but I, I remember seeing somewhere like an image of, uh, let's just take like the drum of plenty we have up front, but let's say it's, it's uh, has a screen on it, and like the wheat and the chaff is dumped on there, and it's like lift up, and the wind is blowing, and so when it flies up in the air, it blows the chaff away, and the wheat falls back down in, so there's just constant like, first rodeo right but I mean over but I mean even over our over all the seasons we have been through this sort of sifting you know before but you're right so you think about the season itself is going to probably bring about more than one instance that you're up in the wind and you need to let that chap go <laughs> Right? Right. So they're, you're right. I, I love, I kind of like the analogy that you used about the buffet, buffeting. Because we know that there are other principles that, I mean, I, mean I, I think about the way, all the different ways that are described in the, in the scripture of how God purifies his people. And they may be described different ways, but it always comes down to the same thing. It's our will against his will. Either we submit to the thing that he's trying to do in us, or we don't. And so, that's where... Go ahead, Monica. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) And and really, within me, I'm speaking, that's where the, the struggle always is. Is that letting the Lord do that, and and coming to the place of surrender, because you don't surrender then you're resisting you know and the Lord does it because he loves us that's 
his only motivation. That's it. That's and it. when your mindset is in the wrong direction, then that's where the struggle is. You know what I mean? It's just I do know. That's exactly where the struggle is. And, and it's always, uh, I'll, I'll let you speak in a moment, Pastor, um, but I just respond to that. I, I think, you know, over the years, we spent a lot of time blaming the enemy for what we were coming up against. But really, if it, the enemy was involved at all, all he was doing was highlighting what was in us. Because our response to the enemy was the issue. And, you know, which is whether or not we're willing to change. And that's where the struggle lies. It wasn't because the enemy was standing there, nope, you can't go. You were your own enemy. You were the one standing there keeping you from changing or going forward. Pastor? It's interesting that there were really two kinds of two major kinds of like winnowing um, for the harvest was this pitchfork kind of a thing where they're out there in the fields and they're you know they're just clearing off acres and they want to make sure that they're not carting back it's more work for them stuff that's not worth the money and but what Les was describing was the more personal thing that somebody would use at home like if they had a little thing out on the right. side, or if they bought some from somebody and they wanted to, to really purify it. And it makes me wonder, because uh, so that is more of a personal thing, which is really what Peter was, was experiencing. And I wonder about that because, you know, when we go and we minister or anybody else ministers, you're, you're casting out a big net and, you know, people are saying, yeah, I'll surrender this like we did when, when we first were born again or when we first were changed. But then, from that point, God starts working on us individually and we keep having these sifting things. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's the widespread uh, harvest type and then there's this individual personal thing. And um, I don't know that that, I don't know that ever changes. I don't think we ever get to the point where we're all winnowed out, you know? Right, no, right. Well, and I think that in this next wheat example, you know, I am stretching it, but I don't think I'm, I'm stretching it too far. So let's look at the next example, the one that we're very familiar with. Scott, there's a ringing out here. Um, and that is where the enemy sows tares in with the wheat and they grow up together. And for some reason, whenever I was pondering all these principles, uh, principle pondering, um, I thought about my own life in this respect. Of course, this 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 uh, particular parable is talking about believers and unbelievers, and how their harvest is going to be. You know, the tares are going to be removed, and you have the wheat, which are the good, right? But I thought in my own life. What if there are tares that the enemy sowed into my life that have grown up with me? As I've been developing and growing, these tares in my life are present. And that until the time of the harvest, until the time when God says, now it's time for me to remove those tares from you or you can't go forward. And it's just me. It's not, it's just whatever's going on in my own heart. And, and that's why I said, I know that's not what this parable is about, but it did make me think that, because I, this is something I've been thinking about this season, what are 
what are bad habits, as it were, that I have developed over the years that that's the thing that's actually keeping me from going forward? A perspective about prayer, my perspective about, you know, the body, or my anything that has to do with what I do to come here and be a part of what God is doing. You know, I am a lazy, I mean, I'm not, lazy is such a, a bad term because I get it done. See, I, I get it done and then I relax. I'm very good at that part. And But at, at the same time, I feel like, am I, is that the way I'm supposed to be using my relaxing time? Or should I be trying to overtake the reaper? <laughs> you know, should I be sowing ahead, trying to do more? But that is not my mindset, people. I've done what I need to do. And I just, you know, I want to relax. I want to, I don't want to, you know, be, you know, pressing. And, you know, I want to do something where I'm not pressing. That's what I'm thinking. And I wonder about that mindset. And I wonder about God wanting to change the way I've always done things in that respect. And plus, you know, things were a certain way in the beginning. And our hunger and our, our the passion that we exhibited and, course the spirit that was present I know it was all for a certain there was a reason for that we've discussed that you know I don't want to say ad nauseum because it doesn't make me sick to talk about it but it just means we've talked about it a lot we've discussed that at length but since then we went through like this really long period of circumcision then things people more people were leaving and then things really quieted down. And, and just think of the changes. And what happened to your perspective in the midst of all of those seasonal transitions that we've experienced? You know, did somewhere along the line we become complacent because that same level of excitement wasn't present? Um, we, we know in our mind that what's happening is important, but are we following it up with our belief or with our actions I, I don't know how to attain that I'm telling you this is something that I'm trying to figure out for myself because I want to be a faithful servant I want to be someone who is I, I know and I, I'm just going to tell I'm, I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna confess that because it troubles people um, I just know for me um, well I will say this much about it when we talk about gaining insights and, and doing interpretation and all that, I kind of clam up. Anytime I ever seek the Lord, specifically regarding a fivefold pursuit, and I seek the Father for an answer or for whatever, I come away empty-handed. God really only speaks to me when I'm only just ministering to him. That is just the way it is for me. Listen, you guys, some people show up and they're just seers and they just, I mean, that's their job and that is part of their function, but that is not the way God uses me and he never has. So I really feel pressure when I don't feel like I'm up to speed with what God is trying to teach us because we've been talking about interpretation for many years now and really trying to pursue that development, the development of that gift. And I just always feel like, I mean, interpretation is really not the hard part for me. I got to get something first. <laughs> 
And the way I get stuff is just different. And it's, it's just me being with him, and then I know stuff. It's so, I feel like it's like this. But it's there. It's just not like there. <laughs> you know the difference, right? And so I don't want to fall behind in these gifts. I want to pursue the development of these gifts just like I pursued everything else, even though the, the thing itself kind of intimidates me. You know, I feel like, nah, I'm not, you know, I'm not really made like everybody else, you know. But everybody's made different, and the way you hear from the Lord is different. And so I'm, I'm not here to, you know, praise one and to criticize another. That's not my point. I was trying to give you an example of something I feel like God is trying to change my perspective about, you know, these spiritual things and me going forward and what it means for me to go forward. I've spent way too much time on this page, just so you know. But anyway, just say, to, to use that last example that I have here, is a similar situation, and it's something that um, I taught on last month in the Hebrews 12 um, teaching. I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but afterwards, the Lord kept talking to me about the shaking, that there was a shaking coming. And it's for the same purpose. It's to remove things that are shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken remain, which is the same with the wheat and the chaff. The chaff can be shaken. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow away, but the wheat is going to remain. And so it's just the same Another way to look at the same principle, that God will be bringing a shaking that will cause, and, and here's the thing here, I don't even know that it has anything to do with willingness on that level, because that level, those are the words for earthquakes. These are huge events, huge things are going to freak people out. But that shaking, again, I mean, I know that down to the essence, it's always going to come down to willingness on whether you, you know, go forward or you fall away. But the shaking is going to happen to everyone. It's just going to be fun. The world. And people were freaking out. And I, I believe as the saints, we were steadfast. And that wasn't something that took us out. I definitely think that that was a test case for the saints. It was a precursor. It was something to show us, I want you to know what the enemy is capable of doing. He changed the fabric of the world in a month, if not two to three weeks. I mean, it just went Boom, I'm here, and then I'm a completely different. We, we have not returned to the before COVID. Nothing has. And so I think God wanted to, that was kind of a wake-up call, really, because as many times as you've read Revelation and see all the heinous things that can happen, you cannot envision it. You can't imagine a world where the enemy can have that much influence, right? I don't think we, we suffer from that. That false, that false uh, doctrine, as it were. Well, and I think that the thing that 
I think well, that girded us up together as a unit and a force before the throne was what we've all committed to. And just the fact that we, Pastor, the Lord laid it on Pastor's heart for us to do those little video snippets of encouragement. I mean, it to me that that was so powerful that it doesn't matter where we are, we are a unit. Yeah, it definitely it showed us. Well, it showed us two things. It showed us whether or not we could, and it showed us where maybe we were lacking in that individual pursuit. But, you know, as a unit, we certainly survived. I, I think there's been some fallback regarding how people, you know, um, were able to keep their own fire burning. But I think that, I think that through the time frame that people have, <coughs> And it's certain. I mean, you think about it. It's, key, it's it's made us focus on prayer in a completely different way, in a way that was necessary. I think we've been talking about intercession being um, our principal and mainstay, right? But because we've always been together, that was the mindset. And and for someone to be called only an intercessor was like calling someone a janitor. I mean, no one really valued having that moniker or that calling if that was the only thing they were called to they wanted you know to be something else as well they wanted to, and i think the lord has winnowed away some of those those aspirations and jealousies and things where we've we've recognized yeah i might be an impossible uh, an impossible impossible <laughs> 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 I may be an apostle. <laughs> oh my gosh, impossible. Um, I may be an apostle, but still, really, the the calling that makes him golden before God is not that. It's the intercessor. That's what endears him to the Father. None of us are any other thing without that foundational calling. So. I think that's one thing that people have learned that intercession is really the most important thing that we have and and uh, so God is doing what he has to do to prepare us I mean that's what we're seeing and that's really the best thing that's what's so amazing about about God you know you look at um, Matthew 13 um, it, it speaks about this <clears throat> this winnowing <clears throat> that the angels are doing and, and it says that it's happening at the end of the world, not the very end, because there really is no very end. It's, it's really the ending. And it says that the tares are people who are the wicked one, but it, it just says wicked, panaros. And that's degeneracy, that's departing from virtue and, and from purity. And, and I think that even, even before COVID, there, there was a obviously a, a winnowing, and people were following wickedness in the name of God. They were following degeneracy. They were following horrible <laughs> things and calling it love. And but to me, how the angels are doing this, I don't really know. But it, Jesus 
plainly says there in that passage, the angels are the reapers. Right, that's exactly right. So there must be a special contingent of the angelic that is supervising, not causing, but supervising and monitoring things. And then you've got the enemy trying to take advantage and doing crazy things. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, it is. All right, let's let's turn the page and let's try to get through some of these verses that um, are talking about this terizo, the faith connection. There was the, the verse we just read, obviously had to do with faith, but you see a real connection with faith in several of these um, passages that we're going to look at. So we know that faith is connected to our function in our histemic, okay? Just stating the obvious, folks. Um, in this first passage, I denoted that dunamis was going to also play a part in our establishment. These are um, the parting words of the author to the Romans in Romans 16, 25. This is the last thing that was said now to him that is of dunamis to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So in this passage, dunamis, which we know also, what does dunamis do? It perfects our asthenia, right? So the dunamis is going to be present to establish what is happening in the histeme. The dunamis is present so that you may function and be strengthened and have what you need in order to um, um, deal with all of your responsibilities in your histeme. And I love, I love all the according to in this little passage, according to this, and then according to this. I mean, they, they loop so many things together, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to get a hard line on what these authors are saying. But we know that these things that we are encountering, the things that we are experiencing are based on the revelation of the mystery, what God is revealing, you know, item by item in the overall time frame of God in order for us to, to uh, serve him in obedience. And I love this word secret. It was not terio. I mean, it's not crypto, which is why I just put the definition. It doesn't really have any special meaning that that I uncovered, but it does mean that it was kept secret from the world began until Jesus Christ came. That revelation was given, and then we have this opportunity to partner in faith at the right hand in our histeme. So that's, that's what this is talking about. But it says that it's made known for the obedience to faith. So everything that happened regarding the cross and what Jesus demonstrated and how he brought us alongside was for this one purpose, that we would be obedient to the faith, those things that we are commissioned at the right hand. Um, 
to do according to his overall will. And I love this word obedient. It's uh, hupokoe. It means to hear under. So you are abiding, submitting to that throne of God, and you are hearing what the Father is communicating. And that is how you are moving forward and progressing and functioning in your histeme, in strength. So I really loved that verse. Let's look at and comfort. In this passage, to give you a little backdrop, Paul was saying that he was trying to get to these Thessalonians, but Satan had hindered him. So in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it was good to be left at Athens alone because we couldn't get out. And so we sent Timotheus, who is our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. And we sent him to establish you. So to bring you to a point of understanding of your responsibility, that your mindset would be set firm, that you would understand completely um, and look at this. I, I love how they're being established and comforted concerning what's happening at the right hand. They're being called alongside in that pericaleo because that's what that means. It means to, to bring someone alongside what God is doing. And so they're being instructed uh, on their histeme responsibilities and through faith, that I think the, that part of faith is what's actually bringing the strengthening. I mean, you can tell me stuff all day long, but until I go to the throne and I have that relationship and he's communicating and imparting things to my spirit even without my knowledge, that is what's strengthening. But it has to do with what is happening at the right hand. These things cannot be separated from what we ourselves are doing at the right hand knowing the mysteries, having truth uncovered, you know, t uh, Timotheus, you know, showing up and, you know, giving you the lowdown on what you need to be doing is not enough. It has to be concerning what you're already doing at the right hand. But this is so that no one would be moved by these afflictions. This moved here, I think, is, is uh, connected to the shaking, the same word as shaking, I've underlined it, and so that's what I'm thinking and why I underlined it. Uh, but the afflictions, and I don't have to talk about the afflictions because we have lived that and we have overcome, but they are ongoing. It's an ongoing point of submission regarding the things that we come face to face with. Any affliction, if you can't look at the afflictions this way, I don't know how you're going to make it. But anything that you encounter that's a challenge, I don't care what you label it, there's a thousand synonyms for this. If you don't look at it like God is trying to show you something or teach you something or bring you through something so that you can be better and you can, you can be in his purpose so that you can survive maybe the next season, I don't know. If you don't look at it like God's doing something for you, then no wonder you're upset or you're depressed or you're sad or... Or, you know, you feel worthless, or I deserve this. I, I have said that. Listen, when I, ha when I have problems, I'm thinking, well, I deserve that. <laughs> you know, I'm worthless. I'm no good. I, blah, 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 blah. I can go down that road. 
But until I turn that perspective around and say, but that is not why this is happening. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I, I, I do fall short of the glory of God. I, I can give all the scriptural examples to uh, back up my claim. But the point is not that. The point is that through his dunamis, through his grace, through that relationship, I can come through. And just like Hebrews 12 said, if you submit to these things and you, you abide in them, then he's going to bring you through it all. He's going to deal with you like a son, and that's what that means. It means he's going to bring you through. And so that's, that is always the, um, the objective of anything that you're going through, and that has to be your perspective regarding that because we're appointed to it. Look at that. This is our Kamai. The afflictions are appointed unto us. So there will be no escaping that. There will be no taking the long way around, you know, hoping to avoid conflict. Let's look at with Deomai. So we've spent some time recently on this topic, particularly in the first passage that we looked at in Luke. Uh, Jesus was Deomaiing. Uh, for Peter in 1 Thessalonians 3 9 it says for what thanks or Eucharistia can we render to God again for you for all the joy the, the kara uh, wherewith we joy for your sakes before God night and day we deal my exceedingly that we might see your face and that we might perfect that which is lacking in your faith so they obviously had some issues that Paul was dealing with. I gave you the definition of Deomai down there, even though it's been discussed <clears throat> recently, just to remind you of that definition. But the thing that I want to look at is this catartizo, uh, which means to complete thoroughly and repair, adjust, to insist on proper flow, because this is the same, uh, there's a derivative of this word that's used regarding the perfecting of the saints. That's what the fivefold is for. And we have also spent time looking at what that means, the perfecting of the saints, that we would be furnished completely with what we need, that we would be equipped, that we would be made ready. That is what the fivefold is for, and that is what... Um, Paul was talking about he was praying in regard to these saints in uh, Thessalonica because something was lacking in their faith. So you think when they were sifting that maybe they lost a couple of things <laughs> to hearken back to their faith fail not? If they were lacking, it meant that they were deficit. They, they were they didn't have what they needed or they were not pursuing God at the right hand the way they were supposed to. At any, at any rate, Paul recognized that they were not functioning, that they, that they needed some instruction. Now, verse 11, God himself, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ will direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end that the Lord may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. 
So this word direct is interesting. I've got the definition on the next page, so I, I, I already looked it up and put it over there, so I didn't recopy it. But um, direct is this cat, cat euthino, cat euthino. Um, it's at the bottom of page three, and it comes from euthis. Okay, euthis, you've got the u, which is the perfect will of God, and you've got this, which is the tefeme. So we're talking about the seed of tefeme that has been put within us so that we might fulfill the perfect will of God. The term itself means to, uh, to fully straighten up, to make straight, to guide, and it can mean to um, remove hindrances that are coming at you. So in this particular passage, Paul was just praying that God would remove the hindrances and direct them you know, to them, give them what they needed so that they could get to them for, <laughs> for this point of ministry. But I do love that word. It is really a powerful word. To the end that the Lord would establish their hearts. And I wanted to just remind you about what Pastor has said about our hearts being the steering wheel, right? So why do our hearts need to be established? So that maybe we're not driving all over the place, so that our emotions are not just taking us all over the place. We, if our hearts are established, if they're set, if they're firm, if the mindset is um, fully engaged, fully committed to the purpose of God in holiness. What is the holiness? We know it's that point of restoration that we're partnering with God to affect in our lives and in this earth. That is an overall objective that we have, right? So we have to, com to fully commit to that agenda so that our hearts are unblameable. They're not, there's not a reason to cast an aspersion or a dispersion um, to you know, our actions because our emotions are being guided by this strengthening we have in the systemic. We're not being blown about by every wind of doctrine. We're not driving around a thousand different pathways trying to find a solution. See, the thing about solutions is that they're only in one place. You don't have to go looking for a solution. Do you know what I mean? I mean, God, has, God knows what we have need of before we even ask. So knowing what we need, God is being our provider, the one who supplies. He is the only one to whom we look for, for the things that we need. <clears throat> so our hearts do not need to be seeking and being emotionally pulled in all these different directions. What is the time? Why not? What is the time? Okay, in warfare, 1 Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth fast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. This is, we could spend 30 minutes on this verse, but we're not going to. 
okay? I want you to look at some of the terms that are used here, just, just so that you're aware that um, vigilant is our word Gregorio. Again, another topic that we have spent some time discussing, and I want to reiterate, as I've, as I've looked through here, and if you look at the last page, just glance at it, under for real, it says, if you shall not Gregorio, I will come as a thief. <laughs> you will not know what hour I will come upon you. This, this little note to, to Sardis is a real eye-opener. Um, I had to say that I was just, you know, always thinking, oh, these things are talking about everybody else. <laughs> you know, the general church. Them folks that aren't really praying. But you know that it's not enough to be praying. You have to be active in the, your Gregorio. You have to be present. You have to absolutely engage yourself, your spirit, your being in what is happening in the spirit realm. And I was thinking about the disciples who were sleeping, as Pastor was mentioning recently. You know, did they not recognize the importance of the moment? I mean, here Jesus was, who was always going to pray alone, finally brought them with him. And I thought, well, I can sleep up here just as well as I can sleep down there. <laughs> That's apparently what they were thinking, because that's what they did. They went to him to where he was going to pray, and they fell asleep. And not only that, but he asked them to stay awake. And I guess the reason why I was thinking about this is because of my own scenario. I think I probably would have been sleeping. But what I have recognized, I feel like all of us actually have a greater spiritual acumen than the disciples did. I mean, if you look at the way they didn't understand spiritual principles and stuff, I mean, I'm just saying, we've been taught these mysteries. We are living these mysteries. They were shown this through Jesus and the way he taught them, but with everything he said, he, they never really seemed to get the depth of it. So we're, to me, ahead of where the disciples were. I'm not saying we're better than them. I'm just saying, had they been doing that for 20 years with Jesus, they'd be in a different spot. But we're only talking about three years, right, that they were together. We want five, just to be accurate. Um, accurate, that's from Texas. Um, but I, I think about, I mean, it's like a, let's just say pastor who is not Jesus. He's impossible. <laughs> who, you know, say he takes us or he tells us to come here for a particular prayer meeting. You know, do I think that's important or am I going to be, and not literally snoozing like I really start snoring and stuff, but, but I can be, a, I can be awake and be, you know, not active, not be, you know, I can be sleeping in a way because I'm not fully awakened to the Gregorio, right? So how do we view when we've been called together to pray? Uh, that was an aside, totally free, not going to charge you extra for that. But this is just talking about warfare in your system, a resist steadfast. Um, you've got to, you know, you obviously have to defend what you've been called to stand and defend and represent God in. But again, we have this same term to, to perfect. These are the things, oh, this is what I think is so, so funny. These are things I thought about saying, so I'm going to say. Uh, but the God of all glory, I mean, the God of all grace, how much grace? Was it just some grace? 
you know, that, that's not the evangelist in me. Wasn't I good at that? <laughs> well, this is what I thought was so interesting. But the God of all grace, who called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, Christ, <laughs> after that you have suffered a while. So there is going to be some suffering. Okay? The God of all grace, it's where it starts out. We're going to be partnering in his glory, his eternal glory. But there's going to be some suffering. I just love the way these things are worded. But the suffering, again, has an objective. And they, it is that you would be perfect. Our same word, katortizo, completely, um, com uh, to complete thoroughly, to equip to make ready, to establish you in your histeme, to strengthen. Here is another histeme word. This is, again, the exact opposite of asthenia. This was the root of asthenia, is the sinew. And then to settle you, to lay a foundation, to, to absolutely establish fundamental and foundational things in your life from which you will go from. You will move forward from those things in grace. Um, I like this. I want to I read the spiritual gift one too to impart some spiritual gift and only because I want to remind you of something that the pastor said about it um, when he was talking about uh, oh this is regarding I'm sorry I got this all wrong. This is regarding Katortizu. Um, I wanted to read you the things that I was able to write down as he was talking about the Katortizu, which is that word perfecting, which happens through the fivefold. Um, the fivefold mindset and gifts are going to work on the saints, the ones partnering with the angelic to bring about things that God has ordained from the foundation of the world that are currently dislocated or misaligned or misunderstood, not properly fitted, not properly functioning in a way that brings peace or victory. The saints will be trained and instructed, adjusted and refined. They're going to be furnished and put in order to make suitable for the master's purpose so they can then demonstrate in part and in train and make disciples okay I read that because I mean, that's fantastic and that is something you need to keep at the forefront of your mind in the midst of this season and every season because perfecting is ongoing it is it works in tandem with the sifting I mean it's just happening these are things that we are being equipped to do and it is divine it is a divine calling that we have and the calling itself um, is like a magnet to these things there's no way to exhibit or demonstrate walk in or be the person God called you to be unless you're willing to undergo these pressures and the points of refining and sifting that that God is trying to uh, fulfill in us and the fivefold 
you have to be able to see how that activity and those offices being um, in place actually lays the foundation so that there is an atmosphere of perfecting, which is why your life has been held for 25 <laughs> years. That's really, you think about how many challenges you've had to overcome, how many mindsets you had to let go of, how many aspirations and agendas. And, and listen, folks, you got an ego. Every one of us has an ego, and none of us likes for our egos to suffer. And, you know, <laughs> that is a pressing point for all of us, and it hits on so many levels. But God has been faithful through it all, and he is bringing us to a point of fulfillment in these things that we have believed through this perfecting. It would not happen any other way. Fulfillment in your life is not going to come about in any other way. Will God's plan be fulfilled? Yes. Will your part in it be fulfilled? That's up to you. Where are we going to be standing when these things are coming about? The only way to be properly positioned is through the submission to this process. And if you find yourself fighting something, you should be hearing a ding, ding bell. Ding, ding, ding. This is something God wants me to let go of. This is something that has to change. Why am I thinking of it? Why am I fighting against this? Why is this hurting my feelings? Why do I feel left out? Why do I feel unworthy? Why do I feel, why do I need this? Why do they have to do this? Why do I need that person for this? Why are, you know, all the things that are happening around you have nothing to do with them. Nothing. And I don't care how awful any person is in your life that you're having to deal with. If you are always just looking at them and pointing that finger at, you know, how rotten they are and how they're doing you wrong, then you are missing the point because you need to look at that as like, like a person who works out or like, you know, um, someone in the military who's being trained. If you don't look at it as something that's going to save my life later on, this is, if I learn this, if I can go through this, this is going to strengthen me and make me able to survive, to overcome in the days to come. This is like Monica said, it's because God loves us. He wants us to make it, folks. And so he's, he's providing the atmosphere. He's providing all the things, the sifting, the perfecting, the things that we need so that we can be changed, so that we can overcome in the days ahead. And what, the, what you're going through now is always for the days ahead. It always is. It's always to get you to the next place. So whether you submit or not, whether you learn or not, is going to determine what you're actually going to go through in the next season. It is the, just the truth, y'all. And so I'm probably just, um, it's 10 o'clock. I, I want y'all to read <laughs> Revelation 3. They 
do you, I want you to look at this. I'm, I'm not, uh, if you need to leave, you can leave. I'm going to go and, and talk about a couple of things. Uh, but be watchful. Again, I, I mentioned this earlier. And strengthen the things which remain. You know, when I first saw this, and if I hadn't looked it up, I would have completely interpreted this incorrectly. Because the things that remain, the definition is remnant. Oh, we know what the remnant is. Those are the ones that remain, and they're so great. No. Look at what this comes from. It comes from lipo, which means to leave, fail, or be absent. And here are the verses where lipo is used. It speaks of the other virgins who said, open to us. You know what the other ones are, aren't you? The ones that didn't have their lamps prepared. And then number two, um, this is the parable that talks about um, the sowing. And uh, it talks about the cares of this world, deceitful riches, and lust of other things that enter in and choke the word. So the other things, this is for lipo. Um, and then you have the disciples, and, it, and number three, you have the disciples, but then the rest said, let's just see whether Elijah will come and save him or not when Jesus was on the cross. And then number four, and there were many examples, I just chose these because I know they were well known. He said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to others in parables. We do not want to be the others, folks. So the things that remain are the things that are lacking. So strengthening that histeme point of you know, needing to be um, absolutely committed and certain of who you are and your calling is what needs to happen to those things that remain because they're ready to die. And ready to die does not mean martyria. It just means dead. <laughs> You're about to die. That's what it means. And he says, but I, I love this fact about um, if you're not watching, you're not going to make it. Look at this. You have a few names in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they'll walk with me in white for their axios. They've been carrying the burden and doing what I've asked. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life and will confess him before my father and before the angels. So what about all the people in church who aren't overcoming? I, this, this really, I, I've read this, the seven churches thing a million times, folks. And this is the first time I thought, you know, that's not just being lukewarm and spitting it out of the mouth kind of thing. And we use that to describe you know, just because you're in church doesn't mean you're going to make it. Listen, I am not the judge. I don't know who's going to heaven and who's not. But this is overcoming. Those who don't overcome, if you're not Gregorio, I'm going to come as a thief. He says, I have not found your uh, works perfect before God. Well, anyway... I, I don't want to, I hate to leave you with that. I, but I did want to exhort you in, you know, a very um, upfront fashion because I want you to take stock of where you are and what you're pursuing. What, you're, what are you thinking about? 
what is happening when you come here to pray? What are you thinking about? What are you focusing on? What are you struggling with? And, and really, in earnest, it, not then when we're here for a prayer time, but you need to take that home to your prayer closet. You need to come before the throne. You need to spend some time really seeking and asking God what, um, what it is that you need to do to be prepared, to be made ready and equipped. So much of it is not you doing something as it is you submitting to something, you know? And, and then, two, the other thing is I think, I mean, I'm trying to change my perspective when I come to pray. I don't want to think about it the same way that I always have. It doesn't mean that God's going to speak to me differently, but my perspective may open up something in the spirit that I haven't had before just because my perspective is willing to change. So, I mean, I'm actively trying to change and asking God's grace to enable me. And I'm not really trying to be something that I'm not. I mean, it's not like, you know, I know this sounds funny, but anytime I've come to a prayer time, I've always just said, Lord, I don't care if you give me anything, but just let us, let us know what we need to know. It doesn't matter if it comes through me. You know, the big thing doesn't have to be my revelation or whatever. And, and that's why I would just go and just seek him. I never would seek him for, the, you know, for whatever we were being asked for because it just always rattled me. I was just always, oh, I see a light. Oh, well, there's, there's that. Well, that's not really anything. Oh, but look at that. That's not, you know, and I would just be so taken by all of the – I was just distracted then just you know, looking for something that might be important. So for me, all I can do is minister to the Father, and maybe that's what they're all doing, and I just finally got the picture. I don't know. But – I would minister to the Father, I would worship Him, praise Him, and just really meditate on Him. And at some point along the line, something would just kind of, <laughs> it, is, it just kind of pops up, you know, a thought, a picture, you know, a feeling, that sort of thing. And so, um, but for me, I, I still want to, to be able to, I mean, because the way that we went into, I know I'm going over, but the way that we operated in those early days with just, you know, diver's tongues ablazing. And, and, and a lot of that was warfare and establishing the things that God was doing here for the first time. And, and there was a way that I went into the spirit at that time. And that is not available to me right now and hasn't been for many years. And I've sort of lamented that. Uh, and I've had to repent of that lament, as it were, because I have, there's a growth that God is wanting to bring me to, and all of us to, where we are willing to change and grow in maturity. I mean, if I was still playing out in the yard with my shovels making mud pies, I mean, everybody would look at me like I was a strange person. I'm not a kid anymore. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same for the spirit realm. It's the same for me as a, a mature Christian, a, a mature son is for me not to operate like I did in those early days when the Lord just had me splashing around in his big pool and he was watching me and we were both loving it. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. I have to come up to the plate. I have to recognize what my responsibility is. I have to step into my role. I have to accept my position. I have to then ardently seek him and allow him to use me in a way that he wants to and hopefully in a new way, in a deeper way than I have, you know, in the past. So, 
I just wanted to, um, to exhort you all in that way because I find that this, this, this season is, is really, it's taxing in a different way. And, but it's about as important as anything we've ever done this season is in being prepared. Uh, when we were being prepared 20 years ago, 25 years ago, certainly, you know, it was make or break, you're gonna stay or you're not, but there was nothing unsafe that was happening at that time. I don't think our lives were on the line 25 years ago. I mean, our lives are on the line. The way we function going forward is the way we function, what we do now will affect how we function going forward is what I'm saying. So I bless you all. Thank you all for your attention. And um, I pray that the Father would guide you and direct you in your prayer, that he would uh, surround you in his grace enabling you to continually move forward toward that new horizon that you would accept those things that he brings before you that you when you see something new or something that you can't you think it looks impossible that you wouldn't reject it but that you would um, have that open heart and that willing heart that you would willingly embrace those things that God is bringing before you and that you would be willing to partner and do whatever, whatever is necessary to achieve the goal of overcoming, of being that overcomer, of being one who has been converted. The conversion only comes through acceptance. Peter had to accept whatever God was bringing to him. He had to accept that change. And he completely returned to that original divine calling, and that's what we must do before you, Father. And I pray that you would help us and that your, your dunamis would address our infirmities. Father, we love you and we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.